0: Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax-Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax-Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today to talk about tax-efficient investing is Alvin Carlos. Alvin is a managing partner at District Capital, a financial planning firm in the D.C. area, helping professionals in their 30s and 40s. Alvin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. So I, I'm excited to talk about UTMAs, UGMAs today. This is something, I got the idea for this because I was I was talking with a friend who had screwed this up and, and didn't understand what these were. Not super complicated, um, but it, it, there, there can be some ways to go wrong here. So we're gonna set them straight. We're gonna provide some good information here from, from Alvin, he knows a ton about this. Um, Alvin, let's dive right in here. So we're talking about uh, custodial accounts. So mm-hmm. at, at a high level, what is a custodial account? How does this work?
1: Custodial accounts are taxable investments that is set up and controlled by an adult in the behalf of a minor. So the typical example is a parent or a grandparent opening an exto- a custodial account for their child.
0: Got it. So it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be just a parent or it doesn't have to be a grandparent, it can be it can be anyone essentially can can contribute to one or can set one up is that right exactly it can be anyone it can be
1: taylor swift opening up a costolo account for one of our fans it can be anyone yeah
0: okay i I love i love that example (laughs) um so a couple of the um the ones that we're talking about today we've got utmas and Mm -hmm. ugmas which Mm -hmm. is a a mouthful so uh, a lot of similarities here a couple of differences what are the run down these for us. What are the similarities and differences between these two types of accounts?
1: UTMA stands for the Uniform Transfer to Minors Act, and UGMA stands for Uniform Gifts to Minors Act. They're essentially laws that allow gifts, either cash or stocks or bonds, to be given to minors without tax implications. And so the main difference is what type of accounts Can the adult, in this case, typical case, a parent can give to their child. A UGMA can only contain financial products like stocks or bonds, ETFs, mutual funds. A UTMA is more inclusive, so you can give financial products there, or you can also do physical assets like jewelry or real estate.
0: Got it. So a little bit more flexibility in terms of of what you can include in there. Exactly. Um, so, so what are the what are the advantages here? Why why is this a good idea? Who might want to think about setting up a, a UTMA or a UGMA for, for a minor? Um, yeah, what's the what's the use case? Why is this potentially a smart idea?
1: These are often used by parents who want their kids and who want to give their kids a financial head start. So. Mm-hmm. For example, if you are planning to eventually leave your some of your money to your kids and because you're a high net worth individual, you're probably going to pay estate taxes down the road at the state level. It's higher at the federal level, but some states, we can talk a little bit more about this, but some yeah. states, you end up paying a ton of estate taxes. So this is also for high net worth individuals who want to leave a legacy to their kids. And the reason is your, you can give the power of compounding to your child early on. But you know, the power of compounding, if you start at an early age, you invest it in stocks, it can grow like triple, quadruple, et cetera. And the nice thing about this compared to other types of accounts is you can use it for whatever purpose, and there are no contribution limits. There are no income limits. It doesn't matter how much you make, and you can give as much as you want each year. Um, obviously, you have to keep in mind that at least for twenty twenty three, you can give as much as seventeen thousand dollars without having to file a gift tax form.
0: Got it. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that that gift tax piece of this a little bit. You mentioned for folks who are potentially going to run run up against the uh, estate tax. Mm-hmm. There's a, a limit. There's a federal limit, and then there's often state limits mm-hmm. um, of, of how much you can transfer to to future generations before you have to pay. The, the way that it works in this country, our tax code is essentially, in, in most cases, I'm simplifying a little bit here, but you you pay taxes when you gift someone money if you go if you go over this threshold. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the threshold, Alvin, you probably know better. It's it's about twelve million dollars um, right now. Exactly. I think it's going to go down in a couple of years if if Congress uh, if Congress doesn't act. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how does this kind of piece together with that for folks who are are going to run up against that? Um, you you mentioned um, that you can transfer seventeen thousand uh, dollars without uh, starting to use up your exemption. So let's dive in a little bit deeper to that. How does that? Uh, how does all that work for for folks who are potentially going to hit that uh, twelve million dollar mark?
1: So essentially if you're if you expect to hit that estate tax exemption for federal government and also for states so for example some states can impose as mm-hmm. much as 16% or 20% of any value above a certain amount and you pay estate taxes using the UTMA or UGMA can help you avoid paying that hefty estate tax down the road because you can keep on giving seventeen thousand dollars a year, and it usually increases every year. Yeah. If you're a couple, you can give twice that amount, thirty-four thousand a year, to your child, and basically avoid paying several thousand dollars, several thousands of dollars in taxes, federal and state taxes, down the road if you use these UTMA accounts.
0: Yeah, and. It, it- for for a lot of folks, uh, don't have to worry about hitting that that federal estate tax limit. Uh, mm-hmm. But you just mentioned I want to go back to this. But it's a great point. I think it gets lost a lot. You have to think about the the state state level as well. So I live in I live in Oregon. I think we might mm-hmm. have the lowest. I think it's a million dollars for Oregon. That's right. Um, so so it's you know still a decent hurdle. But um, all of a sudden, for you know folks thinking, oh well, I'm not going to have to worry about transferring twelve million dollars. Uh, 000, 000 a million dollars is a much lower threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to be eventually transferring that much, um, this is kind of a way around it. You can you can give seventeen thousand dollars individually, thirty four thousand dollars as a married couple. As, as Alvin just mentioned, those numbers typically go up each year. Those are the twenty twenty three numbers. So if you're if you're listening or we're watching this in a future year, um, it it may be higher. Um, so you're essentially able to transfer to, uh, to future generations. I keep saying to future generations, um, a, right. a, the most common use case is to your kid, but as Alvin pointed out, it could be, uh, it could be anyone who you're, you're transferring to any minor who you're transferring mm-hmm. to, um, mm-hmm. and it's a way to, to transfer money without it contributing to that lifetime uh, exemption at the federal, um, at the federal or the state level. That's right um so so let's talk through let's talk through my wife and i we say hey we might leave we might leave our children more than a million dollars we live in oregon which has um a a very low threshold where Mm -hmm. we don't want to pay a lot of estate taxes we should set up a a utma Um, i'll just use the utma example for now um, instead of ugma Mm -hmm. we want to set one up for for our son so that we can transfer him some money and save on estate taxes down the road Walk us through the process. What does it look like? How complicated is it? How do most folks do it?
1: The easiest way is to set up these UTMA accounts in your favorite brokerage account. So I typically have my clients set up in a Vanguard or a Fidelity account. Yep. You can also do this with Schwab and other famous or popular brokerage accounts. And they will usually have a section in there that says... Um, education or for children or custodial account. So that's where the UTMA account is going to be at. And essentially you just need to provide your contact information as the adult who will control this account and name, date of birth, social security number of the the minor, Mm -hmm. your child or your grandchild or whoever. And it's pretty straightforward. You After you set that up and you can just... Leave it there with um, put a hundred dollars if you want, and it's pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. Um. So, so you mentioned you mentioned Alvin that this is a taxable account, mm-hmm. uh, which it is important to note here. But th- there's a couple of uh, relatively minor, uh, relatively minor tax benefits. Um. You know, not not as substantial as some of the other incentives in the tax code, but. Uh, there, there are a couple of tax benefits here that you can end up paying a, a little bit less in talk in taxes. Can you can you talk through some of the potential savings there?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, if you have unearned income, is going to be the term that would be applicable to this because if your child works at a grocery store, then they will get earned income, which is they actually worked and exchanged labor for it. If you have money in a UTMA account for your son or daughter, and it's gonna most likely earn dividends if you invested in stocks or bonds, and that's considered as unearned income. And any unearned income up to $1,250, is not taxed, that's in 2023. And so if you put in $20,000, in your child's UTM account and you invest it, let's say, in a bond ETF that makes 5%, you get $1,000 a year in dividends. That's below the threshold and you don't have to worry about paying taxes on that. So that's one of the nice benefits of a UTM account
0: and And we're not talking huge dollars here. I mean, I guess it's all relative, but um but it it's it definitely can can lower your taxes and instead of essentially instead of having to pay it uh, on the instead of the, the parents having that income, that unearned mm-hmm. income, um, mm-hmm. as Alvin mentioned, that's kind of a key a key term. Um, it, it gets transferred essentially to the minor, and if they're under the threshold, the, there's no taxes. So it's essentially a tax arbitrage uh, strategy there. unfortunately that, threshold is pretty low, uh, $1,250. I think the next $1,250 gets, gets taxed typically at the the kiddie rate, which is 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, so another little tax arbitrage there moving down from a slightly higher bracket down to 10%. Um, I think ultimately we're talking about a few hundred dollars, uh, probably under $1,000 a year in tax savings, but uh, tax savings nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it, I, I want to kind of emphasize one point here. Alvin mentioned that this is uh, unearned income. And that's an important distinction. Um, Alvin, I, I was talking recently, we just did an episode, I'll put it in the show notes about the the child IRA mm. um, for parents who set up a Roth IRA for their kids. Again, like the UTMA, it's pretty easy to set up. The harder part is getting your kid uh, earned income so that they can actually contribute to it. So unfortunately, this this won't help you with that because this is uh, this is unearned income. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got to, in order to be eligible to contribute it to a, a Roth IRA for your kid, they've got to actually be uh, doing work, whether it's uh, bagging groceries or summer job as a lifeguard, or there's been some other creative ways to to get money for that. But um, unfortunately, uh, this this won't work. This won't work for that. Um, so, Alvin, you, you talked about um, this has some more flexibility than some other accounts that can be used for anything. Mm-hmm. I think you were probably alluding there to a 529, which is another option where where parents can fund a 529 or grandparents can fund a 529. Mm-hmm. But then that has to be used for education expenses. Is that right?
1: That's correct. So if you are planning on helping out your son or daughter pay for College expenses, which, as we know, is astronomical these days, yeah. and typically you want to look at a five two nine because in a UTMA account you end up paying taxes after you've achieved a certain amount of earned uh, unearned income, right? And but in a five two nine, you don't pay federal state taxes on all of your earnings, regardless of how much those earnings are, and in addition for some. States. If you live in a particular state, so I live in the Washington, D.C. area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia residents, if you contribute to a 529 up to a certain amount, you can deduct those contributions from your state taxes. Mm -hmm. That's also a nice tax advantage with a 529.
0: Yeah. So I I think in in summary there, if you're you're thinking about, well, how do I save for this astronomical cost of college? I think in general, 529 is gonna be better as Alvin kind of ran through there. You get tax-free growth. If you use it for qualified education expenses, you're gonna get uh, tax-free withdrawals as well um, to fund those education expenses potentially a deduction on your on your state income tax mm-hmm. uh, that varies by state. I think Oregon is a, a little bit less generous. There's a, a relatively small, uh, I think the cap at, at a pretty low amount. but still, uh, I, I contribute to a five two nine and I'm able to reduce my state taxes uh, a little bit. A, a ton of variation there on those those incentives. Um, so if you go with the five two nine, you generally get more tax benefits. Is more rigid, as as Alvin mentioned. Um, You've got to use it for qualified education expenses. A UTMA, Uh, UTMA can be used for anything. Uh, So, like a lot of tax incentives, you you give up a little bit of flexibility in exchange for for realizing them. Um, Alvin, I always like to ask this: what are what are mistakes that you see people make with with UTMAs or with custodial accounts in general?
1: Some parents jump into the idea immediately without thinking. Through the um, implications, so what I mean by that is, once you contribute money in your UTM account, there's no takes backs, there's no takebacks. So if, for example, if your household faces financial hardship, let's say both of you are both spouses are high- income earners, but one spouse, for example, loses his or her job, you, you can't tap into that UTM account for emergencies. Or, for example, you started it um, where your son or daughter uh, are are still young, before they're teenagers, and as they're growing up, you're like, oh, looks like my daughter is not as mature as I hope." <laughs> I want to be able to limit her ability to buy, I don't know, mo- a motorcycle once yeah. she turns 18 or 21, because basically, once your child becomes the age of majority, they can do whatever they want with that money. And so you, you, there are no take backs. So you have to be ready for that. And so you have to think through exactly, I guess, what your parenting philosophy would be before you open a UTMA account.
0: Yep. Great, great points there. Um, Alvin wrote, wrote a great article on, on UTMAs. We'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. Another point you made uh, kind of on the flip side of that. Is a, another potential benefit here outside the the dollars and cents. is These can be a great way to to teach your kids about money, to to teach financial literacy. Um, I think you know we don't often appreciate that, and there's definitely a need for that in this country. So I thought that was a, a great point that that you made there, um, Alvin. A good way to, for kids to feel ownership, understand that this money will be theirs someday, uh, get them excited to, I uh, know, maybe check the, the stock market or. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Uh, I it, This might reveal my age a little bit, but when I was young, my parents opened uh, just a regular savings account for me when I was young. And this was back in the day where we would get a passbook. It's a physical.
0: I remember those. Yep.
1: Passport. <laughs> and then you go to a bank and then they would, I don't know, put some electronic writing on it that says, oh, you earned $2. And I was so excited. Every time I saw it, I would just keep my passbook there as if it was a treasure chest on it in itself. And and if you go through the process of opening a UTMA with your child and show them, okay, we invested it in this mutual fund and look, it just made $3 for us this Mm -hmm. month. You can then explain where does that come from. So you can talk a whole bunch of things and give your child financial literacy early on.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I hadn't thought about that that passport or that passbook in a long time. Uh, and I'm, I'm flashing back here to my childhood. State Savings, I still remember the name of the bank, State Savings Bank. I'm sure long since gobbled up by someone else, but they okay. they had the exact same thing. Uh, and it was always, going to the bank was always very exciting because you got an update on that.
1: Right.
0: Uh, and you usually got a lollipop too. There was a whole, a whole jar <laughs> of them. That's really good. That's door. Um, but it, it's a great point. It's a great way to teach kids about uh, about financial literacy, to to understand, uh, the power of compound returns. Maybe that's a bit more sophisticated. At a younger age, they're just thinking mm-hmm. about um, about baseball cards or whatever kids buy nowadays, Pokemon mm-hmm. cards that they can buy with it. But uh, great way to kind of impart uh, impart some of that wisdom. Um, there's just a couple other other questions here. A couple other wrinkles in the the UTMA. Um, uh, I understand there's a couple states. I think it's Vermont and South Carolina. Uh, that don't have they don't allow the UTMA. I believe it is. Is that right?
1: That's right. So almost all of the states except Vermont and South Carolina has, has passed these um, UTMA laws. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's fine. Um, usually most parents will just prefer to invest stocks and bonds with it. So, with a UGMA account, you can still do that.
0: Yeah. You're, you're fine, too. So the UGMA is the one that um, has, has a little less flexibility. You've got to use kind of the, the plain vanilla financial, and financial uh, instruments. You can't invest in the more exotic or alternative assets. But as Alvin mentioned, for 99% of people, that's going to be totally fine. So if you live in Vermont or South Carolina, uh, fear not. And then, um, how should parents think about financial aid if they're contributing to a to a UTMA? How is that that viewed when it comes time to apply to colleges, and, and colleges are looking at the the financial ability of the family?
1: That's where one of the downsides will come in come in again, Michael. So, mm-hmm. typically, if you have a five two nine, when the time comes where you need to fill up what's called a FAFSA uh, financial aid form. They will count, for example, if you had um, $10,000 in your UTM account, they will count 20% of that, and your eligibility for aid will be reduced by that amount. Whereas if you had the same amount in a 529, they will only count 5.64% of that amount if you had that amount in a 529. So UTMAs have a little bit of a disadvantage on that when it comes to financial aid purposes.
0: Yeah, got it. So I think in in, in general here, at least how I would view these is, is not probably for a lot of folks, the best way to save for college. Um, can be a good way if you're gonna be running up against either the federal or your state's uh, lifetime estate tax exemption can be a good way to think about transferring money to, to future generations. And as we talked about, a little bit of a cherry on top, a little bit of tax savings probably ends up being at most a couple hundred bucks a year for, for most people. Um, but, uh, Hey, every, every little bit helps, right? That's right. Uh, well, Alvin, my last question for you. Where can folks go if they want to find out more about you and your firm?
1: They can check out our website, just go to districtcapitalmanagement.com. For those who are more visual people, we have a YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube, just type in district capital, we have a bunch of videos, beginners, intermediate, advanced level where they can all learn from that.
0: Yeah, great, and it's a, it's a great YouTube channel. he has got a lot of really good information on there. Alvin and his team do kind of a great job of simplifying a lot of these topics uh, like you did for us today. So we'll put a link to, to both the website and the YouTube channel in the show notes. Uh, Alvin, I wanna thank you for coming on. This was really informative. You've been a great guest. Thank you so much, Michael. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.